We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. My personality was to blame. What kind of call is that? I was not afraid to say what was on my mind. Boomer Esiason. Boomer Esiason. He's a quarterback. He's been there. He's been in Super Bowls. He's been in Pro Bowls. He's brought a lot of confidence. Host of Boomer and Geo. Mornings on WFAN. That's a Narpian take, just so you know. Narpian? Yes, yeah, non-athletic regular person. (laughs) Analyst for the NFL Today on CBS. I did one of those football shows one time, and there was this play that that past Sunday where somebody had picked a quarterback up and slammed him on the ground. So I was taking the side of the defensive player. So Boomer was going, no, he was trying to show me when we went to break what the guy did, and he went to pick me up. And rather than putting the pressure on my back, he did it on my side, and I just heard like pop, 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 all on the side. So I didn't see him for like a year and a half. And I go to do his radio show, and I say to him, I go, you know, I, I go ahead like spasms for like, you know, six days because of that. I was going on and on about what he did to me. He just looked at me, and he just goes, hey, it's not my fault you come from weak people. <laughs> with Parkinson Spiegel on 670 the score. Ah, oh, Sadim, was it even a football season if we didn't talk to Boomer Esiason every week? It didn't feel like one. I'm guessing it didn't for him either. I missed him. He missed us <laughs> narps. What's up, Boomer? Hey, guys, I know you missed me because you missed my Christmas gifts this year. That's what you really <laughs> missed, you're, and you're complaining about it. And I'm sorry about that, but things didn't work out. But here I am now, and boy, what a time to be a Chicago Bear fan and a Chicago uh, radio talk show host, given all that's going on for the Bears. It's true. You know what? I thought that we actually had, like, a real friendship and not a business thing. I was like, I want some nice wine and a cutting board. I need, I, I need another cutting board in my life. Uh, ah, this year it was tequila. You would have loved this year. Oh, oh my God. God, you're the How best. What, the a, list. Man, what I, a classy guy. I blame guy. Odyssey. <laughs> I do too. Yes. <laughs> How's the private jet with Mike Valenti, by the way? Is it still going well? Ah, it's great. It's awesome, man. I think we actually doubled the size of it this year so we could oh, get good. more people on it. Oh, yeah, there's, there's more room to not put Danny on it. Yeah, good job. Exactly. Um, yes, well. Okay. Boomer, we have a lot to get to with you here. What would you do if you were Ryan Poles uh, at quarterback? Justin Fields or the number one pick? The number one pick, I'm taking Kale Williams. Uh, you know, he's a tr- transformative player, generational player. Uh, the things I see him doing on the field, very few players ever have I seen do what he does. And he's just a special player. Now, I don't know the man personally. I don't know what kind of guy he's like. Uh, I know he likes to paint his fingernails and put different things on his hands and jumps into to the stands and hugs his mom and all that other stuff. I, I, I don't know that part of him, but what I see on the football field is a can't-miss football player that is going to take some franchise uh, into the next decade, much like I would say Joe Burrow has, like Patrick Mahomes has. I'm putting him in that, in that level of player. And, of course, Josh Allen has uh, for the Buffalo Bills. So, to me, it's really a no-brainer. It's a quarterback league, and I know that Justin Fields has gotten better over the years and maybe a little bit cheaper in the long run if they want to sign him to an extension. But if I'm Ryan Poles, I'm sorry. I'm in a Caleb Williams camp and have been for two years, by the way. This is not anything that 
you know, I, I just figured out over the last three weeks or something. Uh, I've been talking about Caleb since he went to uh, USC, pretty much watched every single one of his games. It's too bad that his coach didn't believe in defense at USC, Lincoln Riley. But at the end of the day, I'm telling you, he is a very, very special player. And I would be very surprised if the Chicago Bears passed up on him. Boomer, um, we have seen with Mitch Trubisky and Justin Fields, very talented athletic quarterbacks who eventually they had to cut the field in half and kind of create easier things for them to do other than pocket quarterback passing, five steps, drop, anticipatory throws to beat a zone, that kind of thing. Caleb is obviously a great improviser, better than either of the guys that I just referenced, it seems, as an improviser, for sure. But does he have the pocket passer component? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's got it all, man. He's got everything. You know, I, maybe maybe another inch taller would be great. Uh, but, you know, watching him and just, just analyzing him, and again, I don't know the personal side of him. That's something that, that Ryan Poles has really got to dig into and find out what kind of person he is, what kind of man he is. Is he a leader? Does do his you know teammates really like him at USC? Uh, did he do right by the teammates? All of that kind of stuff, especially in this nil era where you know these kids basically come and go as they want. It's a whole new different different set of circumstances. You got to make sure that the kid loves ball. Uh, I think uh, I think Justin Fields does, and I think whoever does acquire him from the Chicago Bears is going to be lucky to have him. But uh, once in a every ten years, decade or so, a player like this comes along, and I just think you know you got to take him. And you know Ryan Pulse has got a little bit of luck on his side here now because things have kind of worked out. He made the trade for Montez Sweat. The defense got better. They beat some bad teams at the end of the year, so you don't really know what to take from that, but Iberflus' defense got better. There's no question about that. Uh, I think their offense was uh, really competitive, and they were competitive because Justin became competitive as it got as it wore on, and he started to understand that there's a real chance that he could have end up losing his job there, which is most likely going to happen. So uh, I take all of that with a grain of salt. You want a guy that's going to be a difference maker? I think everybody, and you know, there'll be a few guys out there that are going to say negative things about Caleb Williams, like they say about all of us. But I think this kid's a can't-miss player. I really do. And I've I've said it for two years now that he would be the number one draft pick. He would have been the number one draft pick last year. Uh, so he's definitely going to be the number one pick this year. And I, I would hope that the Bears would end up taking him. So, Boomer, I feel the same way about Caleb. I think that they will take him for all the reasons that you said and for the fact that Poles was in Kansas City when they traded up from 27 to 10 to take Mahomes when they had Alex Smith and there are some similarities obviously to the skill set. So I think there's some familiarity there for Poles. If you have this once in a 10 year quarterback prospect I was advocating to fire Matt Eberflus because it feels hard for me to imagine that the best possible coach to develop and maximize this generational prospect is the defensive coach. What would you do to help Caleb Williams reach his potential? Well, you know, it really does sound like, you know, obviously Matt's staying there. You guys know that. And I guess they're going to blow out the offensive staff and they'll probably try to bring in a new offensive staff that has worked with young quarterbacks in the past and has had some success, some modicum of success with that, you know, with those quarterbacks, who that is. I, I have no idea. You know, I know I read my, Buddy Frank Reich would be on that list simply because he and Matt worked together in Indianapolis. They got along great, but I, I don't know that to be the case. I really don't. Um, you know, they're going to keep Matt, and a good defense uh, is very important to a young quarterback. 
The other good thing about this is that you're resetting the quarterback rookie wage scale, if you will. You got three years to work with Caleb and build around him now. And, you know, in two to three years, could we see our, you know, see the, the next coming of the 49ers? I mean, that's what Ryan Poles is tasked to do now. Go out there, make some key drafts, make some key trades like he did, use some of that draft capital that he did this past year, and then sign Montez Sweat. I mean, it reminds me kind of what, you know, San Francisco did when John Lynch and, and uh, Kyle Shanahan first got there. You know, they, they made a lot of these great draft picks, but along the way, they added key pieces like Christian McCaffrey. Of course, this year was Chase Young. I don't know if they'll be able to resign him. But again, they're still on Brock Purdy, and I guess Trey Lance got some contract there. I'm not sure how much is still hitting their, their salary cap, but, you know, they're doing it the right way too. So I, I just, I, they got to find the right offensive coach. It's as simple as that. And hopefully he will get the most out of Caleb in his first year and do maybe what the Texans are doing with CJ Stroud. You know, I'm telling you, CJ Stroud looks great. And that's what Caleb Williams should look like next year. If he's got the right offense and they got the right pieces around them. Well, that, that would be exciting. Talking to Boomer Esiason here on Parkins and Spiegel. We want to ask you about your buddy Frank Reich, but one more on Caleb because we all agree about that personal deep dive that has to happen, and you got to find out and make sure as best you can that he loves football, that he's a leader, that the stuff bucket is as full for him as you could possibly know. What if you find out it's not? Like knowing knowing as as you've watched quarterbacks develop and not, what do you do if you find out you're concerned about that stuff. Well, he's not the only one that they're going to be doing that with. They're going to do that with Drake May. They're going to do that with Jaden Daniels. They're going to do that with Michael Penix Jr. I mean, you got to do that with all these guys. I mean, you know, that, first of all, that pick is worth a lot. It's a lot if they want to trade it. Uh, they could they could get a haul back for that pick. That's how good Caleb Williams is. There'll be some team out there calling the Bears, offering all sorts of crazy things. And, you know, they would have to take, you know, they'd have to really take a close look at that, and I'm sure it's not going to be easy uh, when they see the haul that uh, they're capable of getting, especially if it's one of these other guys that they also like. Let's let's say they like Daniels out of LSU, uh, and let's say it's somebody, I don't know, like the Giants or somebody that wants to trade up with the Bears and wants to give them a haul. Maybe the Bears like Daniels just a tad less than they do Caleb, and they feel like they could win with him. Then maybe they do that, and they, and they get all this – this trade hall, but I don't, I don't think that's the case. I think, you know, if you're sitting here now, you're like the Indian, I can't Indianapolis Colts sitting there when Andrew Luck was coming out. You're like the Cincinnati Bengals sitting there when Joe Burrow was coming out. Also when Carson Palmer was coming out. I mean, there are first round picks, uh, first overall picks that we have seen in the past that were can't miss players. And everybody saw that and knew that when that player was coming out. And I kind of feel like that's the kind of stratosphere that Caleb Williams is in right now. So if they find out something that they don't like and they want to go in a different direction, there's certainly a number of different ways to do that. But they have to do that for all the players, not just Caleb Williams. I mean, I'm loving this. I, it's, that's the most exciting thing that you could possibly have as a football fan unless you have a team that can win a Super Bowl. The opportunity to have quarterback right. answered for the next decade. So Bears fans should be doing backflips and Boomer. It's not dropping Joe Burrow into a two-win team. Or C.J. Stroud into a two or three win team, whatever Houston was, three, uh, yeah, three win team uh, last year. You're dropping him into a seven win team with D.J. Moore, some nice pieces on offense, and a potentially top five defense. Would you expect Caleb Williams to be able to lead the Bears to the playoffs next year, for example? I don't see. I don't see why not. I mean, he's that good. I mean, I think he's that good. Um, I think he's uh, that mature. 
Um, again, you know, you hear all kinds of things and, you know, he's driving a, a very expensive car. He's living in a condo off campus. I mean, you know, game, it's totally different than when I played. And, you know, you got to kind of, I think this is one of the reasons why Nick Saban, Mike Krzyzewski, all these older coaches that dealt with and were able to control a lot of players and a lot of things around their particular programs, they stayed there and they had success. Nowadays, it is the wild, wild west in the NCAA. And it's a, it's a, it's a joke you're dealing with all these families and all these uh, demands and everything else other than just a scholarship. So I, I don't know what that has done to the young man. I have no idea what his true expectations are when it comes to the draft. You know, is there a possibility? I, I hope it's not the case. Is there a possibility he may say, I don't want to be drafted by the Bears? You know, my advice to him, and I gave his, this advice on the NFL today, I think about four or five weeks ago, that, hey, Caleb, if you get, if you are fortunate enough to be the number one overall draft pick, because you haven't done crap in the NFL yet, if you are fortunate enough to be the number one overall pick by the Chicago Bears, a legacy franchise in this league, if there ever was, was one, that hasn't had a, a statuesque quarterback for longer than like three or four years and really doesn't have anybody to, to really be a difference maker like Patrick Mahomes or some of these other great quarterbacks that have led their franchises. And you say you want to go somewhere else, I'm sorry, then you can't be my starting quarterback. I don't want a guy that makes the decision. I don't want, you know, I guess John Elway did for different reasons. And so did Eli Manning for different reasons, mm -hmm. but this is different. This is the bears. They're going to be loaded and they're going to be set up now for the next 10 years with all of this draft capital and this pick in particular. Boomer, um, your college teammate and roommate, Frank Reich makes a lot of sense for this job for a number mm -hmm. of reasons. And I'm, I'm impressed with a lot of his history, winning with four different quarterbacks in, in Indy. You know, had good offenses with Brissett and Luck and Rivers and even Matt Ryan. And obviously the work with Carson Wentz and Nick Foles when he won a Super Bowl in Philly. But the question is, how responsible is he for the disaster that was in Carolina? And can you confirm or deny that he wanted C.J. Stroud over Bryce Young as that number one pick? <laughs> Oh, I, I can't confirm. I, you know, uh, when they traded for that number one pick, you know, on my radio show in New York, I said, I know what Frank likes and Frank likes big, tall, strong quarterbacks because every one of his quarterbacks that he did have, uh, whether it be in Philadelphia, San Diego, Arizona, or, or in uh, Indianapolis when he was there, all fit that kind of physical, physical build. And, and that physical build is anywhere from like six, one and a half to six, five. Uh, 210 pounds to 245 pounds. And, you know, obviously Bryce Young does not fit that. So I was a little shocked that they, that's who they took. Uh, Frank didn't give me any uh, inclination as to what they were going to do prior to the draft. And he certainly didn't tell me about any of their private conversations that they had with their owner and their general manager. And the general manager is not there anymore either. So I, I think you have a very impatient, impetuous owner down there that's very difficult to work for. You know, it, it's interesting. I, I, I booked a golf trip with Frank uh, in the offseason, and uh, he said he's going. So I'm, I'm assuming that maybe he's going to take a year off for coaching. But I guess if he came back and said, you know, Bone, I got the itch to go coach Caleb Williams up in Chicago, I, you know, that'd be, that'd be pretty alluring to me, I, I would think. So I, he hasn't told me anything one way or the other. All I know, he's scheduled right now to go on my golf trip. So I'm keeping my fingers crossed because I'd rather have them on my golf trip than go back to coaching. Well, I forgive you for not sending the tequila. I'll come on the golf trip. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it sounds great, boys. Sounds great. It's just, it's just, it's just, it's just an idea.
so, so what do you think Justin Fields proved? Because they won seven games. If they traded the number one pick, yeah. there's a huge percentage of Bears fans that want Justin Fields. Have three first round, have two first round picks for the next three drafts. Have two in the top ten. Give him Marvin Harrison Jr. Upgrade him at left tackle. Go win a bunch of games with Justin Fields. What do you think Justin Fields is at this point? Yeah, and I can understand why fans see that. They see an exciting young player who really, you know, at times, you know, and I I actually started with you guys with him. Yep. And we saw him kind of grow into something, and then we saw him kind of plateau again. And then this year he started out slow, but then he got going again. Um, I, it's just too much indecision, too much inconsistency for me, uh, especially when you have Caleb Williams sitting there and you got to go for him. So uh, I think he proved that he can play in this league. There's no question about it. I believe that he proved that if he's with the right team and with the right coach, he could be a starting quarterback in this league uh, again for a long time. I'm trying to think of who I would compare him to. Um, you know, he wouldn't be, uh, you know, a top seven or eight guy at the moment. Um, could he grow into that? Uh, that's, I think if he got in the right spot, maybe uh, he, he's not Geno Smith. You know, he's, uh, he's more athletic than Geno was when he would, Geno was his age. But Gino, like the light went on later on in life to become a much more consistent quarterback, and he got paid really well by Seattle. And you know, it's it's maybe it's along those lines where he's got to go to the right place, maybe sit for a year, and then when an opportunity presents itself, whether either be via injury or uh, unproductive uh, unproductive play by the player that he's sitting behind, then then all of a sudden he takes over, something like that. I know he'll be fine wherever he goes. I, I just know that if I were the Bears GM, that uh, I would be looking to trade him, and I certainly would be taking Caleb Williams number one right now here as we sit. But if they do take Caleb Williams, we're all wondering who the right offensive coordinator to pair with him would be because it has to be somebody that Matt Eberflus can just say, all right, go ahead, do your thing. And that's part of the appetizing nature of, of, of Frank or somebody like that. Is there anybody from this list, I'll throw it at you, Byron Lefwich, Daryl Bevel, uh, Zach Robinson, um, Eric, Eric Bieniemy, Shane Waldron, who Shane, they interviewed, Shane Waldron, they who they've now requested to interview out in Seattle with Pete Carroll. Any of those names jump out at you as a good fit? I mean, I mean, Shane does. Um, here's the thing about Eric Bieniemy, you know, a former teammate of mine, and I think one of the reasons why, unfortunately, he has not gotten a head coaching gig. Doesn't interview well, you know. He's a little bit blustery and. Uh, if you talk to Shady McCoy when he was out in Kansas City, he was talking openly how people, the players especially, really didn't like him. And and that, you know, there was uh, a lot of, uh, he grinds a lot of people because he's he's a hard driver. He pushes the envelope. Um, but he may not be a bad I, a bad guy and when you think about it because they there are similar traits between Patrick and Caleb. Now, Patrick's a little bit bigger than Caleb, but they, they kind of play the same way. Um, and I think I think Caleb's smart enough to be able to handle the West Coast offense and all the concepts that go on uh, within that offense. But I just don't know if he and Eberflus have a, uh, a relationship. And here's the thing. You know, when one of these head coaches goes out and decides to hire an offense coordinator, if the GM is doing it and the head coach isn't doing it, that's not a good thing. That 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 creates internal dysfunction. You know, this has got to be a head coach's decision. This has got to be Matt Eberflus picking his staff if the if the gm is going to be picking the players the coach has got to pick the staff he's got to own the staff and the staff has got to believe in ebra flus and uh and hopefully matt is making that decision as opposed to say the gm or kevin warren the you know the president of operations there i i think it's got to be a coaching decision 
when it comes to selecting the the assistant coaches for you know for the for the team. Boomer, the Bears are going to run the offseason. I mean, other than where Bill Belichick goes, I think it's the biggest story in the NFL this offseason. Thank you so much for giving us some time and some insight, and uh, we really did miss talking to you this year. Thank you, sir. Yeah, I miss you guys too, man. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the playoffs, and uh, I can't wait to get to Detroit for the draft. It's going to be fun to see what the Bears do. Absolutely. Thank you, Boomer, as always. Thank you, sir. See you, guys. All right, there we go. That's Boomer Esiason. And uh, how exciting is this, boys? How about that? That was so great. Somebody hose off Danny. Oh, my God. I mean, come on. What is more exciting than that? That is what I've been trying to tell you all, except that guy won MVP. Yeah. He said he's watched basically all of his games. Uh All the games, just a very quick yes on if he's got the pocket (laughs) quarterback stuff. I, there's a lot of people out there who haven't seen anything other than the wild outside the pocket improvisational stuff. Boomer's a quick yes there. A once in a decade quarterback prospect. He mentioned Mahomes, Burrow, Allen transforms your franchise. Yeah. And you're dropping him into a seven win team. You're dropping him into DJ Moore, Cole Komet, Darnell Wright, Tevin Jenkins, a top 10 pick. Top 10 cap space, Montez Sweat, Jalen Johnson, Tremaine Edmonds, Kyler Gordon, Tyreek Stevenson, Jaquan Brisker, mm. Caleb Williams, double-digit wins next year. Bears. Bears. <laughs> what if he this doesn't? This is not a debate, folks. I, okay, but what if they scout and he doesn't have, fill the stuff bucket? What, okay. what if they're horrified after some of the personal interviews? I don't think they will be. But okay, Yeah, sure. Like That's the caveat that we have to – sure. We got, we got to put it out there. If – they're horrified by the person that is Caleb Williams. Then, yeah, of course, don't don't draft him if they're if they're horrified by it. But th- but there's going to be some teams that will overlook it. Uh, will overlook it completely and say, you know, let's go for it. But we really don't have things to indicate that that's an issue. A lot of the stuff that's out there is very surfacey and specious and uh, and not not hands on. So that's what we've got to find out. What they've got to find out. Texter like once in a decade, then he lists four other guys drafted this decade. He's talking about as prospects, like what they had shown on film coming into the draft. And then he mentioned guys that they like Josh Allen wasn't that Caleb was a better prospect than Josh Allen mm-hmm. was coming out of Wyoming is what he's saying. Yeah. Dave Wanstead's going to be here at four. He's been in the, the text chat with you and I sending stuff where Rick Spielman his colleague over at 33rd team says Caleb Williams is a better quarterback prospect than Joe Burrow that if he as constructed right now we're in the same draft as Joe Burrow that he Rick Spielman former GM of the Vikings and other places would have drafted Caleb Williams and not just Joe Burrow by the way we have that for later on I think oh, it's you do like have several it. top pick quarterbacks over yep. the past 40 years uh-huh. so we'll hear that later on in the show I okay think. good that's a tease this that's is, a tease right there it's so exciting like it's yeah, maybe it doesn't work. Maybe he busts. Maybe, mm. but oh my god! But Danny, how do you pass on it? He cried with his mother. I, he showed emotions yeah. with, a, with a loved one. And by the way, I don't know. I know I said it on the internet. I don't know if I said it on the show. This whole painting the nails thing. His mother was a nail technician. She had a son. They used to paint their nails together. It was a mother son bonding thing. So he continues to do it as a tribute to her. The only time it's ever caused any controversy, he painted F Utah on his nails for a game, and then he lost to Utah. Let me see those nails down, bro. Let me see those nails down, bro. 
And Come he, on. Ah, we did it. We did it. We did it. And then he said, all right, I'm going to tone that down. And he hasn't done anything like that since. The nails are a complete non-story. That is, that is a, the biggest nothing burger in the world. His mom was a nail technician. Mm. Like, come on. Just, just, I assume everybody has the internet. It's all available for you. And That's I, not what I use it for. I'm just telling you. <laughs> Danny, what do you use it for? Number 13 has not been retired by the Bears. Mostly old soul music and, uh, and baseball stuff, right? Seeing what quarterback prospects Danny likes. So I can make sure they're not drafted. Add him to my list. Guys God. I like, I Caleb Williams, uh-huh. put him on the list. Oh, that's a dangerous list to be on. Oh, my God. Hey, I saw the Notre Dame game. Who else saw that Notre Dame game? I saw, I saw that it. Notre Dame game, I my friend. I saw it. It was bad. Didn't look good that night. There were moments, even within that game. It's going to be fine, folks. It's going to be fine. Bears going to win double digit next game next year with Caleb Williams. You all be like, oh, who told me about that first? Boy. Here. Yeah, he's I, so excited to be. Yeah, no, he's so, so excited. excited. He's standing. So he's standing. Excited. He's sauntering. He's throwing a hand in a pocket. I've wanted like, my whole life. Yeah, he's 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 wandering so around. Excited. I haven't seen him this excited since the QB one party. Am I right? Yeah, good point. <laughs> the last time I thought the Bears had a great quarterback. <laughs> yeah, 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 I know. This time, it's actually going to be true. This time, <laughs> really. This is so exciting. Okay. This is so exciting. We'll talk to Wanstead about it. For just Wanstead, I, not even Dave. That's how excited he is. Uh, whatever his name is. <laughs> Wani, coach. Guy with the stash. I guess we can talk baseball. I'm going to be just watching Caleb Williams highlights, though. So, you so do okay. that, man. All right. All right, cool. It's Parkinson Spiegel on the score. The Parkinson Spiegel Show. Honored to be on their show earlier today. Danny and Matt doing an excellent job interviewing people. Afternoons on the score. Now we're ready for baseball. Japan takes the field. That's the U.S. lineup against this left-handed pitcher. And Japan's manager very confident of this young man. Yeah, Shota Imanaga. Four innings on two games, three hits, one earned run. Look, this is a guy who's going to feature a pretty good fastball, good riding four-seam fastball. But his biggest pitch is that split. Can he throw it enough times to get the hitters off the fastball? We shall find out. But it's a fastball split slider combo. This is a guy that kind of is a little bit deceptive, a little Johnny Cueto, a little Tyler Anderson, a fastball like Urias from that we saw in Mexico. But he's got the whole package, and I'm excited to watch him. 0-2. Got it. That right there was a good split. That's a guy that's understanding, hey, I'm going to rush him up and in, and then I'm going to slow him down with the split change right there. It was more of a straighter split change. It had really no dive down. That was a good one right there. See Paul Bozeman right there having a little talk with Turner. Hey, talk to me about the split. So much for no moves for the Chicago Cubs. And we'll have Dave Wanstead in studio at 4 o'clock. And I think Shane's making smash burgers right now. Shota Imanaga, nicknamed the throwing philosopher. Like it. The lefty, the big signing for the rotation. And then just today, a little bit before we came on the air, Michael Bush, exciting prospect from the Dodgers, has been traded to the Cubs. So they got a lefty bat and a lefty arm uh, as the two big additions, non-Craig Council edition, of the Cubs offseason so far. The offseason has begun in earnest, finally, and it's really interesting. Imanaga, who you heard the highlight of there from the World Baseball Classic, 
is uh, it was thought to be getting a deal probably what 80 million guaranteed 100 million dollars guaranteed ended up taking a deal with much less guaranteed from the Cubs and they're kind of working out they were now they've worked out some of those details a press conference tomorrow from Jed will explain some of it interesting some of it might be about injury prevention and usage limitation some of it might be him wanting to be here seems to really want to be here. John Heyman told Mullion Hall yesterday that uh, the deal here can basically can equal the deal that he had guaranteed from someone else. Yeah. That he's basically, he's betting on himself. He thinks he'll hit his incentives here. And there's like team options and player options that can turn it into that 80 something million dollar deal. It's a very creatively structured deal, but that he had it in guarantees elsewhere and wanted to be here instead. Well, you know how it works now. Like these guys talk to the pitching infrastructure of the prospective teams and they hear what their ideas are. And they're like, oh yeah, okay. You want to work with me in uh, with this way. Cause Imanaga has a great fastball and it's not like 96, 97, 98. It's 93, 94, but it's got crazy funky movement. But he can give up a lot of home runs. So the thought process is he can miss bats with the other stuff. Cubs are going to mess with his usage. Like he'll throw more splits or more sliders or whatever. Whatever their plan is, he's clearly on board with. that. That's my read on, on that part of it. Um, crazy high strikeout rate in Japan. Very low walk rate. Really high ceiling. We'll see what it ends up being. But... Now that you've got that guy at that money, which is lower than expected, and they made the trade that you talked about for Michael Bush with, from the Dodgers, and we can talk about him specifically, he'll be a first baseman or maybe a third baseman, lefty power bat. I think he'll be a starter from day one. Now that they've done that, they should be freed up for more. Well, they, they should have always been freed up for more, for right? For sure, but there was a deadline with Imanaga, which was the posting fee deadline, which was today. So... They were waiting along with a lot of the rest of the industry for this deadline. Now they've got him locked down. They know what that money is. They trade for Bush, and they know what that money is. Which is very little. Very, very little. Gave up uh, a couple of prospects. One very good young pitching prospect to get Michael Bush. The kid was 19 that they gave up, Yeah, right? Jackson Ferris, yeah. 19 years old, 6'4", 2'10", I think. Big-time arm as a lefty. But he's played one year of A-ball like his estimated arrival in the bigs is like 2026 or 2027. Yeah, the stuff that I was reading about him is basically the stuff is frontline starting pitcher. So I mean it, it it could be a terrible deal, but it won't be for 5 years. Yeah, like like at least 3 years away yeah. from the him impacting the big league roster. You're trying to win right now. Yeah. Like literally right the hell now. And this guy Bush put up huge numbers, but was blocked in LA and is a bat and is a lefty bat who has power upside. Yeah. They weren't going to be able to keep him because of the 40 man roster. So they trade him. He was the prospect top prospect in the Pacific coast league last year, had huge numbers and it is not like they think he could be a Max Muncy type lefty bat, ton of home runs, not great defensively, but useful at third or first. So they're not done. They're nowhere near done. I wouldn't be shocked if Cody Bellinger is next or if Reese Hoskins is next. And I mean, those are the two names that have been the most directly linked to them, right? But if Hoskins comes and Bush is supposed to play first, uh -huh. what happens? You've got Morell is still here too, right? You've got <laughs> third base. That is an issue. So you'd have Morell, 
and Hoskins and this guy, Michael Bush, to rotate between third base and first base and DH. And Hoskins can't play third. So you'd be asking Bush to play more third. Right, yeah, a lot more third. Because yeah. Wisdom's still here, too. Right, yeah, but it, Wisdom will be a bench piece and might not make well, the team. The, yeah, some of these guys are going to be bench pieces, though. But yeah, I mean, they, Madrigal, they, too. And Bellinger is the most likely. I, I think a Bellinger signing news could come anytime in the next 24 hours, like even conceivably tomorrow for the surprise walkout. I will not be shocked if akin to Dexter Fowler showing up at spring training uh, for 2016, if Cody Bellinger is a surprise announcement tomorrow. I don't have that on authority. It's just there are a lot of tea leaves being read and that there's not a big market for Cody Bellinger. Scott Boris has been holding out and maybe he will still hold out and try to drum up a market. Yeah, I mean, that. Guys wait so long now in free agency. I'd be a little surprised if they did that tomorrow. Mm-hmm. But I guess my read was slightly different from yours on the Bush trade. Like, wouldn't you think that that makes Hoskins less likely? Yeah, possibly. I, I, I think that makes that move a lot less likely. I would. I still think maybe Justin Turner then sub that in for Hoskins as a guy who can play third base as a uh, as a veteran and a righty power bat you could slide right in. So what I still think and this is also not from somebody but just logic and watch this long enough they've got their top prospects who are blocked too. I thought this whole time that the big move was going to be a trade that it wasn't that good of a free agent class and there could still be another one. Well, but so like I I guess my thought is like whether Bellinger happens or it doesn't and whether it happens tomorrow or if it happens in 45 days because baseball's weird now with the timeline and Scott Boris wants to wait or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Three of their top four prospects are outfielders, and you've got PCA, and you've got Hap, uh, and you've got Saya. I just It feels like they should be able to deal from a position of organizational strength for someone or something because what's their rotation right now? Steele, Tyone, Imanaga, Imanaga, Hendricks, Jordan Wicks, and then maybe Javier Assad. Feels like there maybe is Drew a... Maybe Smiley. There's still a spot that needs to be It feels like there filled. is a, a front-end spot that I will trade for the pitcher who's hitting his arbitration years, who's going to get expensive for you that you know you're not going to resign, but we can afford it, and I'll give you young, cost-controlled bats. I don't think a trade for Tyler Glass now that they were trying to do would have precluded this signing for Imanaga necessarily. I don't think a trade for Shane Bieber is out of the question at this point. Cease? To your, to your point. I, I mean, Cease conceivable. Cease is in a weird spot, man. White he, Sox are in a weird spot. No, no, I Put just, it out there, and Dylan Cease is like, I guess I'm going to be traded. I learned that mm-hmm. from a press conference yesterday. Yeah, gets handled that strangely, but the I guess I just, when I saw Imanaga's contract, also, it, it was kind of like they were both, like, Imanaga's like, I'll bet on myself, and I want to be there. And they're like, cool. But it also could just be a two-year deal. Could you know, be. You know? Like I, like, it, it'll it, be a it, mutual it, a mutual opt-in after two years. Yeah, so I just... It, I just it, they they want to stay malleable, man. I love that it's Michael Bush instead of Matt Chapman. Um, if it's going to be Justin Turner or less likely Hoskins, it's not going to be a long-term deal. The only guy who might be a long-term deal at this point is 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 Bellinger. Even if they and go, it's probably not going to be. I mean, five years. I don't know. I, it, it it depends what the other offers are out there. Boris is asking for the world for Bellinger, and he's not getting it from anyone. Uh, one other name to throw out there. 
because they could still go out and get a reliever, and it's it could be Josh Hader. It's going to be very interesting. One of the well, things that would be a big expenditure. That that would be a eighty million dollar relief pitcher. I don't know if he's looking at multiple year deals. They might be able to find it at two years with a higher average annual value. We're going to talk to Craig Council tomorrow, which is awesome. at this time at yeah. this very time tomorrow at the Cub Convention. We'll be talking to Council. I want to know what his relationship was like with Josh Hader. We managed for several years up there, um, and 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 he said something at his press conference about the power of remaining malleable. With the payroll, not locking yourself in to big money deals as much as possible from year to year to year. So there, there's a lot of interesting things happening, and it's going to be a very active offseason for the rest of the Cubs way. If you're going to be at uh, Cubs convention tomorrow, Brave in the Snow, come find us at the Sheridan. We're upstairs kind of by the entrance to the main ballroom. Uh, Gary Matthews is going to be on the show tomorrow. Uh, by the, by uh, All these in person. We're thinking Carter Hawkins. We know Jamison Tyone. Nico Horner at five, and we got a little something for Nico Horner that we're going to give him. Craig Council making his first appearance, uh, hopefully of many, uh, on the show tomorrow. So we, we got a lot of cool things set up tomorrow. Yeah, man, I, I, I can't wait. Uh, I've, I've been itching to think baseball and obviously talk some baseball, and tomorrow will be a, a lovely opportunity to do so. Well, I'll just, I'll just talk to Jed about Caleb Williams off to the side. <laughs> That's okay, right? Sure. I, I can do that. Yeah. I bet you he would take Caleb. Yeah. It's Parkinson Spiegel on the score. The Parkinson Spiegel Show. Mango. Afternoons on the score. Hey, you can go see Billy Joel and Stevie Nicks. They're playing at Soldier Field June 21st. All you got to do is have the contest number ready to go. It's 312-540-0670. If you're the sixth caller, when you hear this... This is Brad, and Brad's the guy I really wanted, but he didn't go along with us. He was already making so much money selling Quaaludes, he'd become the Quaalude King of Bayside. Make some of them chicks around here sometime, huh? A little much. A little much. Hey, Ma, we got chicken or what? Ma! I can't think of any better way, frankly, to promote <laughs> Billy Joel and Stevie Nicks. Uh, folks, there was a Billy Joel song in the background there. I'm moving out. There's, there's, there's no way to know. Yeah. Uh, it's brought to you by Live Nation. So, again, that number, not for right now, but when uh-huh. you hear that clip from The Wolf of Wall Street, 312-540-0670. Speaking of music, um, speaking really? of iPads, yeah. um, the Chicago Bulls have that Ring of Honor thing they're doing, which is um, debuting tomorrow at the game. Uh, at the United Center, but on ChicagoBulls.com, you can access like this virtual Ring of Honor thing. Did you see the people they got to write these introductory essays for the honorees for the Ring of Honor? I, I very much did see that. That's a great job by the Bulls. That is so cool to see Greg Popovich writing about Jerry Sloan, uh, somebody named Barack Obama writing about Michael Jordan. I mean, but honestly, what did he ever do? Michael uh, Magic Johnson writing about Scottie Pippen, Pau Gasol writing about Tony Kukoc, um, Mike Wilbon writing about Phil Jackson. Did you see the one for Rodman? I did. And did you see the letter? I did. It's awesome. And that's what I wanted to exactly get to. Oh, okay. That's all good. They asked Eddie Vedder to write a letter, to write an essay about Dennis Rodman, and he created his own letterhead. He wrote it by hand. He made his own letterhead with 91 for Rodman on the top and then wrote an essay by hand. And sent it into the Bulls, and now you can see it on on the Bulls website. Just unbelievably cool. One of so many things. 
Eddie's Eddie's awesome. Like Eddie just does a lot of really cool and wonderful things with regularity. And when he's asked to be involved in something, if he says yes, he really gives his all to it. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, I thought I thought it was amazing. And it's all up at the at the atrium. Yep. So you can go see it right now. It'll be very interesting to see who shows. Because they're the Bulls, and uh-huh. it's an iconic team, and arguably the greatest team in the history of the league, and reunions are fun. And they must have chose this date for a reason. Well, Golden State's here, so Steve Kerr's here. That's part of that, it, I think. That, that helps, obviously. But my guess is someone cool's there. Like My guess is we see Phil, and Rodman was just here, and we'll see what happens. You know what I mean? But, like, there's a lot of weirdness, obviously, with what Scotty said about Phil and what Scotty said about Jordan and oh, Jordan God. not showing up for the All Star game. And there's been there's been weirdness. Yes. But it's a reunion. Yeah. So maybe Michael will be there with everybody who was hanging out at the college football national championship game the other day. I, in the suite I there. I doubt it. Travis I th- Scott. Jeter. Stephen A. Smith. Stephen A. Smith. He is one of the absolute professionals at missing work. I'm looking right into the camera. You do not want to make an enemy out of me. And I don't want to make an enemy out of Stephen A. Smith after what I saw, what he did against uh, about Jason Whitlock. Yeah. I, My that, God. But Provide me never to get on his bad side. All right. Good to know. Yeah, good to know. But uh, no, that'll be very cool. We'll be at Cubs convention tomorrow, but should be a very cool night at the United Center as well. And we'll have the broadcast tomorrow night. Alyssa Bergamini is going to be interviewing a lot of those players like on their version of the red carpet while we have Shane Reardon over at the blue carpet. And I think it's, uh, we could just say a red carpet, right? Because it's Bulls. Right, so yeah, like it makes it makes it look like bulls red. That's the color of the carpet. But yep. yeah, Alyssa will be doing that. You'll hear all those interviews at halftime and uh, in the pregame show right here on the score. Dave Wanstead has walked in the building. Coach. Shane is making smash burgers. We think we will talk off season. He knew all the Bears offensive coaches who just got fired. We'll get stories and insight, and we'll talk to Dave Wan. You get a haircut recently, Coach? No. I didn't. no? Coming it differently. What do you think? You're combing it differently? Yeah, it's a good look. Different style? Yeah, okay. I well, like it. First question was a dud. My bad. Got to get it out of the way early. Park at the Spiegel on the score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.